Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hi, friends. This is Adam Borneman, and it's my privilege today to be with my friend Beck Cranford. Beck works at the Gateway Center, one of Atlanta's largest organizations serving the homeless, and she's also quite a talented writer in my estimation and a spiritual director and a member of one of our local pastor cohorts. And I hope that in our brief time together, we can get into all of those things to some degree. Beck, welcome. Gracias. <laughs> Beck, I want to open uh, reading an excerpt from the book that you're working on. You posted this recently on social media, and I found it captivating. And I want to read just a little bit of it, and then I want you to talk about it. We called it my story around September 11, 2001, so about 20 years ago. I decided to run away from Douglasville again. This time, I signed up for the Army. I quit college for the second time. I had enough credits to graduate with a liberal arts degree, but if I stayed in my hometown, I was going to die. I would die from an overdose or a car accident. I was in no less than 15 car wrecks and totaled four cars in less than seven years. I could almost feel the trees conspiring to take my life as if my blood was somehow owed to the land. Oddly enough, I thought I had some sort of curse on me for the sins of my ancestors, and so the army seemed like a good idea. Except I hated the army. On my first day at MEPS, they told me I couldn't join because I wore men's underwear. At the time, I could not function wearing panties. First of all, they were ugly, and I looked much better in Calvin Klein boy shorts. Body dysmorphia plagued me. I frequently imagined what I would look like if I didn't have breasts. I tried to tape them down, but that was to no avail. They always bounce right back. I wished I was a boy. My body drove me crazy. I didn't feel like a girl, and I wasn't a man. And so I went back to MEPS wearing granny panties, and I had to duck walk 200 feet. The problem with that particular exercise existed in my inability to move my hip at that angle. I'd been in a series of near-fatal car wrecks, and my hip, foot, leg had been injured, so I was not granted entry. And that made me angry. I decided I would lose weight using cocaine and work out extra hard to build stability in my legs. No one was going to tell me what I could or could not do. Definitely not any short men with buzz cuts. That summer, I partied so hard with my brother and my friends, I finally made it in and rode on a bus with 60 other post-adolescent girls and boys from Georgia to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. We arrived in May 2001. The whole of Fort Jackson was a piney forest, hot and full of ugly buildings. I quickly looked for ways to break the rules, especially when they started waking me up for fire guard. Fire guard is hell. You aren't well rested. They wake you up in the middle of the night and want you to pace back and forth with a duck, which is basically a rubber fake M16 rifle. We had drills one afternoon with mock weapons. It was a lot of fun at first until the drill sergeant asked us what made the green grass grow. My whole unit screamed, blood, drill sergeant, blood. And I had a sinking realization in that moment that I was a pacifist, and I didn't want to kill anyone, even my dad. This is just really compelling stuff. I was sort of angry reading this the other day because I wanted you to post more, and it just kind of stopped. Say more about this. Why are you writing? What are you writing about? What are you trying to do with this? I experienced a lot of trauma in the church uh, for being, well, for being me and being different and not really fitting into um, gender boxes. Also, questioning authority. Who would figure that? 
But I wanted to write some stories of my pain and also some of the hilarity that's happened to me over my life in a way to invite others to tell their story and their stories with God. I think there's something fascinating when you're gathered in a small group and people begin to share some of their stories and reflections and just their experiences around church and community and God and religion. And I'm hoping that somehow through some of my writing that someone finds some hope and some healing and maybe a sense of, hey, I'm not the only one that experienced this. For anyone listening, I highly recommend following Beck on social media. She posts a lot of things like this and also some poetry that she's written. And I agree, it's really inviting stuff. And actually, I think healing for people too. I've talked to people who follow you and just really get a lot from what you share about ministry and and life. One of the things about you, Beck, that is so inviting, I think, is this combination of deep transparency and deep joy. Where does that come from? So the joy of the Lord is my mother friggin' strength, just so you know. Um, it's this sort of a joke. Yeah, so I was raised around a lot of Pentecostals in a time in America where everything was kind of fake and happy clappy and clap and praise the Lord and everything's happy. And, you know, the reality is it's not. Sometimes life is full of difficulties and crap and crack pipes and just horror. I have a twisted warped sense of humor. My, my therapist would say that's... Uh, trauma response but I think we have to find joy in the everyday or otherwise we'll just cave in to the sadness and I'm I'm not saying to dismiss grief because I I believe in in grief and letting it do its work but yeah I find such joy in everyday life and sometimes I think horrible things are funny and I I know that kind of makes me slightly twisted this is why we're friends it's okay yes best folks are twisted right where does this dynamic show up in your work at Gateway? Um, <laughs> so Either the dark, <laughs> twisted humor or the joy or the transparency. <laughs> oh, all of the above. So I had a youth group from, I don't know, East Bumble, Alabama. They were from some Southern Baptist group, and they were here, and they were real excited about telling everybody who was experiencing homelessness about Jesus and they wanted to serve some ice cream and it was a hot summer day and I was really excited to have them and the door bust open at the front and security is like yelling my name and I hear this guy saying, Beck, Beck, they shot me in the ass. and he's saying it so loud and I'm just like, uh, uh, so I run over there saying, I'll be right back to the, you know, sweet little Southern Baptist white kids and I run over to see what's going on with Jeff and he's like, don't you remember me? I'm your favorite fan. I just love all you big lesbian types. And I, uh, I am not gay, but I am often accused of being so probably because I wear the team uniform, but he, he just, <laughs> anyways, he just kept saying people had shot him in the ass and the pastor was like, well, should we pray for Jeff? And I was like, I, you know, I really don't see any signs of blood, but we're going to go ahead and call Grady just in case. So that's one of the fun things that happens. But, you know, sometimes there's a lot of joy when you see someone regain hope in themselves and dignity and overcome life's obstacles. And my favorite part is when you see people and they're like, man, I got a job. I've got an apartment. Like I've reconnected with my family. And suddenly every obstacle and horrors of life and oppression seem to vanish in a moment where they're like, look what I've done. Mm. That makes me happy to be a part of that. Beck, what in the heck do you think is going on with the church in America? What do you think the Spirit is doing? What is God up to? 
Spirit left the church a long time ago. (laughs) I love the church, right? We all have a love-hate relationship with her. It's been a place of hurt and a place of healing. And I think I heard it first from Tony Campolo when I was a young Assemblies of God student in seminary. And he said something along the lines that Augustine had said, the church is a whore, but she's my mother. And not to, you know, speak derogatorily about anyone involved in sex work, but the church has been unfaithful to her mission. So I think what we're seeing now is a mass exodus. I mean, people are, they're done. Church had authority at one point in time, and now she doesn't. Um, She's no longer a voice that speaks, I think, into society. I think society often speaks back into her, and I think she's lost her prophetic edge and you know i mean there's a lot of good stuff the church has done obviously around like labor rights and civil rights and helping to work globally to establish hospitals and schools and things of that nature but i think the power of the church as an institution is long gone what i think the future is is i think people coming together and sharing ritual and stories of pain and celebration together without doctrine or dogma. I know that scares the gatekeepers, but I don't think we're going to meet in little white buildings with red doors anymore. People are want to go outside and be connected to nature and integrate their spirituality. And I think there's a lot of pastors and ministers right now that are feeling called to that. And there are some pastors that are feeling called to be kind of uh, death doulas to help congregations die. And there's something that comes next. Uh, what it is, I'm not sure. For me, in my own life, after deconstruction, it was kind of a mysticism. So maybe there's something new that comes along, and I think there is. I think the people of God always go on. I'm just not sure the church as an institution is the place where it happens. Let me also say that I do dig the church as an institution. Like, I'm all about some bells and smells and some vestments, even though I kind of re- was reared in the smoke machine, mega church tambourine, kind of praise the Lord stuff. But I love it all. And at the same time, I see a a move that's coming that will be very ecumenical and flat and interfaith. Hmm. Hmm. What are you seeing the Spirit doing in that respect on the margins? Where is the Spirit showing up in unexpected places and among marginalized people? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I'm surprised by the Spirit every day and the assumptions and presumptions that sometimes I carry and how I'm just shocked. I've been ministered to by a mound of clothes that started moving in between Central Presbyterian Church and the the Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, and a hand reached out and grabbed me and prophesied over me. And I think I meet the Spirit oftentimes in people who are experiencing homelessness, but I'm seeing the Spirit in pastors who are daring to try something different and to follow their calling, even though they're being paid to kind of maintain the status quo in buildings. But they're still like, well, you know, I really feel like I'm supposed to do this hospitality ministry and work with bartenders and Midtown and kind of establish a community and concerns. Well, first of all, I think the institutional church needs to be opened up to uh, ordain ministers who are not called to clerical positions. And maybe the way that you combine your love for, as you call it, the smells and bells, but also this radical openness. It's like, well, how can we get the smells and bells institutional piece to open the floodgates and let people swim in and out in ways that we didn't plan for? 
I love that image. You're in an auditorium and you've got a thousand pastors from across the country sitting in front of you. What do you want to say to them? I want to tell them to grieve. I want to tell them to weep and to well and to let it out and all the burdens that they've carried and all the hurt that they've endured. I want to tell them to have some catharsis on that, to wrestle with it. How much of that is prompting your jumping into doing more spiritual direction? (laughs) So it's strange (laughs) enough, right? So I'm like, obviously a a little bit anarchist and, and I love the church and all her facets, right? And all her dimensions, but pastors come to me all the time with real that they're going through and they have no one to talk to. They're afraid of being turned into um, the doctrine Gestapo or behavioral councils and they're burnt out, you know, they need a place where they can process. And I was like, yeah, let me do that. And not only that, but you know, a lot of pastors are, while they've signed some paperwork and agreed to certain points or things, they want to experience something more and something robust than a tradition from beautiful white men who are long dead and gone. I got mad respect for all those white men. And let me just say, I love white men. I love mediocre white men. I've got one. He's sexy. I think pastors are are longing for something more. What are you hopeful about? Thy kingdom come. Yeah. So I'm hopeful about the beloved community. I'm hella hopeful about the kinship, the kingdom of God. I'm really excited about the new thing that's happening. I mean, yeah, we, we have glimpses of the kingdom, kinship, kingdom of God. I stay in the prophets a lot. I try to get to the lectionary so I don't stay in them the whole time that I have the Bible open. But I find a lot of hope in the prophets because they're just, there's this beautiful poetic language to help the people of God. And while they're even calling them to repentance. I mean, they still love. And, you know, the last words of prophets is not judgment. Well, with the exception of Jonah. Jonah was just pissed. I get that. I've been in Jonah's seat before. There's something next that comes. There's a hope, right? I think we're going into a beginning of a new age, a new shift, if you would, um, definitely spiritually. And then, you know, there's a shaking happening, a revealing happening. And we're seeing the people behind the curtains and we're seeing people fall and we're seeing corruption. And I mean, the whole world, you know, they can't help but notice all the things that some people have been attuned to and some people are just now waking up to. Mm -hmm. So I think a better world is possible. And I think we have a lot of decisions to make in order to do that. And um, that kingdom come. Beck, what's been most significant for you in your experience with your cohort here in Atlanta, your pastor's cohort? I love joking with pastors and being open and honest and without pretense. And my group is just this amazing, resilient group of real people who are committed to Jesus and to loving people. And they're just, oh my God, they're amazing. My cohort is good. They We grieve together. We laugh together. We share inappropriate memes together. It's amazing. <laughs> Like, what's a scripture that's keeping you going right now? Yeah, so it's not Jeremiah 29, 11. I just wanted to say that to you guys. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like Paul. I, I love Paul. I think he's really snarky and, and misunderstood, and I hate that some people have wielded him like a sword. But I like Paul. I like Romans chapter 12, um, verses 2, about being not conformed to the patterns of the world, but being renewed. And I think the patterns of the world are 
things like racism and sexism and hatred of any kind and ableism and the things that the world uses to separate and cause division and to hurt. I don't want to be like that. You know, I don't want to be conformed to anything. So I like that. I like being a nonconformist. I like walking in a way that is slightly rebellious to the world systems and just uh, walking in love. The title of Beck's upcoming book scheduled to be out before the end of the year is Babdecostal Misfit, Tales of Messy Faith, Complicated Community, and Stories of Effin' Amazing Grace. Beck, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.